you are listening to Poldark Podcast. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to the show Poldark and the wonderful novels the show is based on by Winston Graham. Each week we discuss the latest episode aired on the BBC. This week it happens to be episode 8 of season 2. So, if you haven't seen the episode yet, there are going to be some major hella spoilers up in this joint today. And also, uh, we're having to release two podcasts this week because we have so much to discuss. Uh, You're listening to part two. Uh, Part one's already up, so if you haven't heard that, you need to go check that one out first before you come back and listen to number two so you know just what the hell we're talking about. Hello, my name is Delinda. I live in France. I blog at British Leso on Tumblr. I tweet at Delinda Dia. And I'm still on over this episode. <laughs> Hello, my name is Rita. I live in England. I blog at Princess of Poldark and tweet at Rita Bites. And I'm just very tired with Ross. And I'm Michelle. I am in the States. I blog at Poldark Muses. That's Poldark, M-M-M-U-S-E-S. I tweet at Musings, M-M-M-U-S-I-N-G-S, and um, I am um, still a little upset, but uh, a little more clear frame of mind, uh, along with uh, a noisy cat who may be joining us uh, for this podcast as well. Hi, cat. Hey. Hi. So as we said earlier, this is part two of the podcast. We've already discussed the events of the episode but I just want to give you a heads up. The following content has a trigger warning. We will be discussing issues surrounding rape and consent. Okay, are we, are we ready to do this? No, <laughs> but we have to. We have to. We have to. We have to. We will be okay. We will be okay. Okay. <sighs> so... I suppose we need to talk about it. Uh, yeah, we need to we need to talk about that scene and some of the uh, discussion, uh, vitriol. Um. <laughs> the fact that it's like on the cover of <laughs> Radio <laughs> Times this week. Exactly uh, the the scene uh, where Ross and Elizabeth are in her room. The one, whether it is rape or if it is consensual sex. You know, this is something that, you know, the three of us as women uh, had to think long and hard about uh, to try and think about this from the perspective of not only having read the books, but having seen the episode, um, you know, so it's not something that we take lightly. It is not something that we are flippant about. It is not something that we have come to rash conclusions about. This has required a considerable amount of thought uh, about what we saw uh, Sunday night um, and specifically what we saw Sunday night. Um, I think when you hear people say that it was consensual, the image that comes to mind is you know, this this blissful embrace of two people who, you know, have had a, a history of, of love and, and uh, pent-up desire for one another. And so it would be this this lovely, blissful, you know, beautiful scene that uh, would unfold, you know, you know, romantic and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I think the, the thing that makes this um, difficult to talk about is you know, what wound up happening exists within that gray area. And uh, so, you know, before you guys start getting the pitchforks and torches out, you know, I ask that, and we ask that you listen to the entire podcast uh, before you make any judgments about where we're coming from. And finally, one of the things you should know is that none of you are aware of what our personal histories are as it relates to this topic. So I'm not saying that any of us are going to reveal what our personal experience is with this topic because it's none of your business. Uh, But don't assume that we don't know 
what we're talking about. So, <laughs> the problem started even before we saw the episode. It was back at that BFI screening. Even before season two started. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was back at that BFI screening. And Debbie read out a statement by Winston Graham's son, Andrew Graham. In the novel Warlegan, the point of departure for the relevant scene is indeed consistent with the potential for rape. But what then actually happens is not described, but is left entirely to one's imagination. The only way to judge what my father intended was to read the novels as a whole. Doing so, it becomes clear from earlier scenes, as well as from Elizabeth's immediate reactions and later mixed emotions, that what finally happened was consensual sex born of long-term love and longing. And then, you know, Debbie went and said, um, you know, I think I'll find that there is a lot of ambiguity about the scene as televised nonetheless, is what she hinted uh, at the BFI screening. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of articles and posts from people complaining that the BBC or Debbie were trying to portray consensual sex when in fact um, Debbie and Andrew's statements haven't like insist that it was an ambiguous scene that there was a potential for rape um, so it's just not the case that the, that Debbie wrote the scene and made it accidentally rapey thinking she was writing a consensual sex scene it was an entirely purposeful decision and she was just trying to depict the situation that was in the novels and debbie orsfield also gave uh, another interview um, i think it was for bbc radio 2 before uh, the series 2 premiered and uh, she also said that uh, she bluntly said that it wasn't rape, but it was just, um, again, uh, a scene between two adults who had a very uh, passionate exchange, and um, there was um, very harsh words said on both parts, not just on Ross's on or on Elizabeth's part. So, I mean, like Andrew said, you only really understand that that's the case by reading on into the series, because... It's a night that Elizabeth and Ross think about a lot and their emotions about it and their thoughts don't become clearer until later on in the series. Well, I think it's kind of unfair. I mean, you can't blame, you can't blame Davy Orsfield, you can't blame the BBC, you can't blame Maymoth, you can't blame anyone. If you want to blame someone, you might as well blame Winston Graham, who unfortunately yeah. is no longer with us. So we just have to interpret the scene as we wish to interpret it. Yeah. I think one of the problems with this scene and this entire scenario is that we've seen this in the media before. It's just the usual cliche of the woman saying no when she really means yes. And I totally understand not liking this because it makes me sick too it's it just perpetuates rape culture and it's a huge problem and I'm, I'm i'm sick of seeing it and this scene does have echoes of that i think much more so in the books but it's still you can still see its influence in the tv show and i think debbie definitely tried to mellow some of that subtext out of it but it's kind of unavoidable. I I don't see any way of changing that or adapting that. I mean, they obviously tried to mellow it, but the way the whole scene works and the repercussions from the scene that last for like 20 years, you know, it relies on this scene being murky and uncomfortable And it's an event that you're not supposed to watch and think of it as two people making love. You're supposed to be left feeling really just gross and uncomfortable. And I think that they absolutely achieved that with the adaptation. I mean, in an ideal world, I wish Winston wouldn't have depicted this going down the manner that he did. 
Um, but he did, you know, and we have to factor in the fact that he was a man who wrote these novels, I mean, starting in the 40s and, and this one was written in the 50s, and he doesn't have the advantages or education about rape culture that we have today. And I think Debbie adapted this the best way that she could and she took advantage of hindsight but she can't fix somebody else's work it's not her job she's just there to put it on screen and um also when it when you look at things in isolation like ross kicking the door down at the start of the scene or um elizabeth shoving ross or, or just them arguing in that scene having them start off being mad at each other all of that in itself is problematic i think it's kind of simplistic to focus on these things in isolation though i think you need context i think context is incredibly important in determining the motivations of these characters and this is kind of hard for me to say but i think consent can fluctuate over the course of an encounter just like you can change your mind and say no you can probably say change your mind and say yes and you know that's uncomfortable thing to talk about and even discussing it makes me feel icky but it's a truth that we have to acknowledge and even though i wish that there were less scenes like this depicted in the media because it is totally disproportionate to scenes where no means no and having that respected in the media i don't feel like it's really fair to have that hanging over winston or debbie alone they have a responsibility to tell the story the best way that they could and it's not their job to fix everything wrong with media in general yeah. Um, you know, it's it's um, it's been disheartening uh, to see uh, folks blaming uh, Debbie for the decisions that Winston made during this scene, um, you know, to holding her up to a higher standard, you know, simply because she is a woman. You know, when when it comes down to it, you know, she is adapting someone else's work and she needs to honor that work and honor that person's visit or vision, excuse me. Uh, she's not there to fix things that, that people don't like. Um, however, that said, uh, she did make some uh, changes to the screenplay uh, from what happens in the book. Um, specifically, uh, she removed the language from the book that would make this scene shift much further over towards the um, issue of rape than it does to consensual. Um, by that, I refer to the, the following lines that come uh, from the book uh, where, you know, Elizabeth says, you know, on one, uh, at one point, don't Ross, you're hurting me. Uh, the next where she says, uh, you treat me like a slut, and he responds, it's time you were so treated. Um, there's another time where, you know, following that, she says, don't, I'll scream, oh God, Ross, please. Um, and then he says, uh, whatever you say, I don't think I can believe you now, isn't that so? And then finally, when she says, Ross, you can't intend, stop, stop, I tell you. Um, and then the next line is a narrative, but he took no further notice of the words she spoke. Now, I know I took those out of the uh, actual uh, conversation that happens within the book, but just looking at those words alone right there makes it very clear that it, it would be easy to interpret this scene as a rape because she says don't and stop several times during the scene in the book. Um, the change that Debbie made was she removed all of that language. Um, 
Elizabeth never clearly states, no, stop, don't, in that scene at all. Um, and, um, you know, it's it to me, it's clear she has adapted this script to try to clarify the situation, to make it a little less murky, because the murkiness has to be there uh, because of what's to come in the next couple episodes, as well as the rest of the series. Um, you know, and Andrew Graham was right. You need to see kind of where this thing goes um, throughout the the body of this story in order to to be able to come to a, a, a final conclusion about it. Um, and the work that Debbie has done to the material um, does serve to help make it a little less murky um, from the the source material. Um, and then finally, uh, Aiden and Haida uh, performed that scene so brilliantly, it, it literally made me physically ill. Um, and I suffered an anxiety attack for the first time in I don't know how many years uh, as a result of, of seeing that, that scene. Um, both of them have said that their take on it was that it was consensual. The direction of the scene that happened, uh, the stage direction, uh, you know, makes it clear that uh, it was consensual, uh, to me at least. Um, their reasons for wanting one another were completely different. Um, I think um, that Elizabeth does love Ross, um, has wanted him, um, and that when he leaves her, she's convinced uh, that she's succeeded in breaking him from Demelza, um, and you know, despite everything Demelza has done for her, and this is what makes her uh, pretty much utterly reprehensible uh, to me, uh, or deserving censure or condemnation in in my eyes, um, because that she is fully intending on Ross leaving Demelza, coming for her, and then doing whatever it is that they were going to do. Uh, for Ross, you know, he wasn't driven to trend with that night because of the burning love and desire that he had for Elizabeth. She was marrying George, his greatest en enemy, uh, the man who had envied him to such an extent that he tried to have him killed. Uh, that man would have the one thing Ross had been denied, which was Elizabeth, and that couldn't happen, which makes him even more of an asshole and just as reprehensible as Elizabeth. Uh, this scene. Um, you know, it's not to say that I don't think that there were feelings of affection that happened during the act itself, because it's difficult to separate uh, the two from the, the act of lovemaking. Um, but I disagree wholeheartedly uh, with those individuals within the fandom that saw this as the coming together of two unrequited lovers. Um, you know, these are two people coming together with utter disregard for the partners that they have claimed to love. Ross, who has declared his love for Demelza, the love of his life, remember? And Elizabeth, who only that day accepted the proposal of another man. I mean, also Francis, Christ, this is the last thing Francis would yes. want. He's not been dead yes. for six months and she's like already sleeping with the man he he would be yeah. like rolling in his grave if he knew i think that they handled it as best that they could given what they had to work with exactly i really do and i think we actually need to read the original material like when you're faced with a with an adaptation you need to read the uh, original source material to really um get a further insight on uh, the characters and on the story and uh, actually, I'm going to read a bit of uh, right. the following pages following the, the incident So about Elizabeth. So her attitude towards him during a number of years, and particularly the last two, was more than anything else responsible for what had happened. And she must have known it. Her behavior that night had shown that she knew it. I mean, that's pretty clear. <laughs> okay, what's crazy to me is that people are assuming that their interpretations should hold more weight than the intent of the scene all I ask really is that people think about things and maybe educate themselves 
on what was actually intended or the actual source material instead of just going on Twitter and ranting like it's just too easy to have an immediate opinion and express it instead of thinking about a situation before you have a reaction mm-hmm. I think if people really looked into the subject before they wouldn't be as upset as they are now yeah honestly it, it was my first reaction to when I read the thing in the in, in the novels was like oh my god this is disgusting <laughs> and I thought he'd <laughs> raped her but then yeah. the more I read the more my feelings about the subject changed and um, I think people just need like this is a constantly changing situation it's a TV show and there's like two more episodes and you know your perspective might change on things and you need to be able to have an open mind if you're listening to us and you haven't read the books, then please do. At least this one. Don't just read the scene and assume you know what happened because <laughs> like five books later it will be mentioned. <laughs> right. Right. I mean there are there are things that, that that are I mean, this is the linchpin moment from which the rest of this series and I'm not speaking of the television series, I'm talking about the book series, all the remaining books, spin from here. So this is this is that climax moment that drives the rest of the story uh, forward for the next eight books. Um, this act, this incident, will have reverberations all the way through the rest of the books. I was talking to somebody in a message about this the other day and it doesn't just affect Elizabeth and Ross like this yeah. and it doesn't just affect Demelza and George mm-hmm. this affects characters that haven't even been introduced yet I mean yeah this is children. such children mm-hmm. but even like random cousins <laughs> brothers like it affects l- it, it affects everybody. everybody yeah and I think it was actually handled really, really well, and mm-hmm. I really thought the scene was brilliantly written. So yeah. I got quite upset. Like people are being really, really rude to Debbie, who yeah. I think did like she tried her hardest. She did the best she could with the source material, and she made a really ugly scene really well I thought that it was well written and there were moments in that scene where I was going oh my god yes Russ no Elizabeth's right no Russ is right <laughs> mm-hmm. it was such a good scene Yeah, and I yeah. think it's kind of disappointing that that's being lost under all the hysteria yeah the directing was amazing as well like when Ross entered the house and um, he uh, walked up the stairs and you could hear the sound of his shoes. It was uh, there was a creepiness to it. So, mm-hmm. but it was again amazingly done. Yeah, I loved that they remembered to show Aunt Agatha listening in. Yeah, something about having her listen in was really like I was like, oh my god, that was just really hard to talk about. Well, yeah, yeah, it's it's an incredibly difficult thing to talk about, um, and. Uh, I I hope that people don't judge. <laughs> I know that they will. I know that they will because they will. you know, gay internet. Uh, but I hope you know, they at this... least try to consider that we we're just people. We're just people, yeah. and we have opinions. Yeah, there were people with opinions, but we also thought very long and hard about what we were going to talk about. So. You know, it's not like we just got on the computer and just like just blew all of this out, you know, two minutes after the the episode was over with. You know, this is something we're thinking about the last couple days. So, yeah. So let's change the subject to something slightly happier. Let's talk about Queen D. Yes. Um, Demelza was amazing in this episode and I just can't even tell you how important she is to me I love her like she's a real person she's such an inspirational uh, 
character. I was going to say woman, but she's fictional, but uh, she's, she's like so real. real. <laughs> she is flesh and blood and the uh, sass and the uh, everything. Mm-hmm. I just want to like pop around to Nampara, make her a cup of tea and just be like, <laughs> just chillax, have a conversation with her. Yeah, I think. Um, I know that I have really loved the way that that Debbie has adapted Demelza's character for this um, production. Um, I mean, I loved Demelza in the books, um, just absolutely loved her. Um, I like the fact that she is getting uh, more spunky, uh, mm-hmm. the fact that, that she is, you know, when we see her at Nampara and people are coming to visit and that kind of thing, you know, it is clear that she is mistress of that house. Um, I, the only the only person that doubts that is her. Um, but you know, to to see that you know she is pretty much universally loved by everyone. Hell, she's even got Judd on her side now. Right? I know. Um, I know. Judd um, hates her like that. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, she is universally uh, adored. Um, and, you know, seeing her trying to weather through her own insecurities around the, the situation with Ross and Elizabeth, um, you know, has been really, really hard. Um, I think that, that she has known that at some point this was going to have to happen. It before that they before they could move forward, um, you know, it's not like she was going to haul off and say, "Why don't you go over there and stoop Elizabeth and let's get that over with, and then you come back here and everything's going to be cool." Um, but I think as as things continued, and especially after Francis's death um, and Ross's continued involvement over there, um, I think she probably knew that something like this was going to have to happen. Doesn't mean she has to like it at all. I mean. Watching her sort of wait it out during the episode, yeah. watching her like yeah. worry and toss and turn before it even happened, broke mm-hmm. my heart. There were times when I was yeah. like nearly crying, like watching her worry. Yeah. Yeah. When she finds out that George has become engaged to Elizabeth, the look on her face is mm-hmm. heartbreaking. She just yeah. knows right then, like, this is going to go down. And. I think Eleanor is just so amazing. She has been so fantastic in this season. Um, you know, and I I am on the edge of my seat to see what happens in the next two episodes. Um, because, you know, I think we are going to see Demelza come into her own. Um, because she's going to feel she has to. She can't rely on the fact that, you know, that Ross is her husband and he's going to be faithful to her because, uh, surprise, he has not been faithful to her. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, she is going to have to figure out what she needs to do to stand on her own two feet, something that Elizabeth um, would never have the ability to do. We've seen that demonstrated throughout this series. In a way it's almost a good thing that this happens because I f- feel like she has always looked up to Ross a little bit too much mm-hmm. and she's not been willing to be independent and stand mm-hmm. her, own. her own person or mm-hmm. she, she not that she's like at Elizabeth's levels of clingy but she's just insecure in her own position and who she is as a person and then, mm-hmm. like, this will prove to her how strong she is. And, and yeah. it echoes, actually, the conversation that uh, she had with Francis before uh, Francis died, when he said, you need to uh, basically stop believing that Ross uh, um, did you a favor when uh, when you joined into, into this ancient family. Like, no, you, uh, you deserve to be here. You don't have to prove anything to uh, anyone. So just be your uh, amazing self. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is talking about how Demelza should not look to these folks that are walking around with the Poldark name mm. to be the ones to give her agency within the family and within Ampara and within their society, that she has that on her own. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she's, I think she's going to find it 
in this episode or in the next couple episodes. And I just love how they made her even more feisty because in the book after Ross um, cheated on her, the way she reacted, it was uh, much more um, passive aggressive. I mean, I know that there are elements that we're that we are going to going to see uh, in episode nine, but uh, we didn't get the slap, and I am so glad no. that they added that. <laughs> no. I mean, I mean you know, when we, that... get, we get the crockery shadow, yeah. mm-hmm. oh, but, uh, but uh, you know, no, the the whole smack upside the head thing, yeah. you know, that was like yes. Well, that I think has needed to when that trailer first came out, and people were like, "Well, they've added that that when she hits him, she didn't do that in the book," and I was like, "Look." She has violent tendencies in the book. <laughs> okay, I went and found the quote where she's like, she wanted to stab him. <laughs> yes, that's one of yes. my favorite quotes. Yeah, you can't show somebody's internal life on a TV screen. You have to show her being violent. And yeah, totally. Like it's totally in character. Mm-hmm. She like she grew up a miner's daughter. She will take mm. you down. Don't mess with her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, she will. <laughs> and as awful as this whole situation is, I see so many benefits from it in a way. Like, Ross will finally learn his lesson. Demelza will get to grow and become independent and stop relying on him and stop seeing him as this person, this perfect person that she has to have loyalty to because he saved her. They yeah. would finally have like an equal relationship. And yeah. also, I get to see Ross get hit. Like, so many good things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, 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 the little clip that came out um, afterwards where uh, Ross goes to the, the bedroom, <laughs> finds her actually sitting in the bed like the Queen of Sheba, <laughs> drinking her tea. Oh, you're still here. Is Trenwith not yet in readiness? Would you like for me to help you pack? Um, <laughs> oh, my God, Queen. <laughs> But when she, when, you know, she says after, you know, he is continuing to blabber on. I realize that I betrayed your trust. Forfeit. And I was like, ooh, slay. And she posted this on my, on, on Tumblr today. I was like, grammar check that motherfucker now. And that your pride is wounded. Pride. My pride. Like, he's so stupid. He doesn't even realise, like, what yeah. the problem is. He's like, oh, she's just a little hurt that, <laughs> like, that I, you know, betrayed my marriage vows. Mm-hmm. It's like, like yeah, you, no. You don't see, you don't see it. I mean, it, yeah. It, he's going to go through a, an evolution in his thinking um, <laughs> about what, what wound up, what has happened. You he know, doesn't even realize what's happening. Yeah, and, and he's gonna he's gonna have that epiphany. Um, I would imagine it's not gonna happen until episode ten. Of course. But uh, I'm hoping that we will start to see some glimmers of realization. <laughs> now, here's an interesting uh, thing that you know. I wonder if anybody's going to um, start uh, looking at having this part of the conversation. You know, we've been talking about how happy we were that that she busted him upside the head. You know, the whole argument about, you know, well, if it was Ross hitting her, you guys would be all up in arms. Blah, 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 blah. You know, do you think anybody is going to wind up uh, wanting to get into that argument over what happened? I've already seen that argument. Oh, you have? It it was after the trailer. Mm. I saw two different people make that argument. In one of my guest apps, I was like, get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make me think about this. Again, lots of messages this week. Yay! So first question is from Ali Ivy. So I've been listening to the podcast and I really want to keep listening, but episode 5 comes out in Australia tonight and I don't want to spoil my suffering. I have a question. Sorry if you've answered it already, but do the books even remotely give any hint as to why George hates Ross? I know you mentioned um, suggestions like school history, but I really want a solid reason. The rest of the characters I can dislike for a reason, but there's not a deep reason for George being a twat. He just is. I think we mentioned that in the previous podcast. Um, yeah, I don't think that there's anything in the books that that directly points out to why Ross mm-hmm. and, and George don't get along. 
Mm-hmm. I think uh, it may be just be one of those things where you start disliking someone and then you just build upon those reasons. Like it may be a really frivolous reason, but then like everything they do annoys you. Yeah. Sort of how I, mean, I feel about Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always figured that, you know, while, uh, you know, things may have gotten started in um, school, you know, while Ross was off fighting in the American Revolution, um, you know, Francis and George had a chance to, to get to know one another. And uh, things have just kind of carried on from there. But yeah, we don't have a, a clear and concise reason as to why the two of them don't get along. I think it all, I think a lot of it boils down to George wanting to be gentry and be respected as someone um, who has had an ancient name for a thousand years and he resents the fact that Ross has that but really is kind of shruggy about it and on Ross's part yeah on Ross's part I think he's just he's just tired of the envy and he's tired of the envy and the fact that uh, George and his uncle uh, their approach to business um, just flies, awful. His, it flies in the face of his. He's more egalitarian, and uh, George and Carrie are much more capitalistic. Uh, let's see. This is ginger tea time. Uh, not so much a question, but can we talk about the fantastic friendship uh, that is Demelza and Prudy? Their looks and eye rolls got to me got me through the pain of this episode. Not to mention Judd and Prudy judging Ross hard when he mm-hmm. went to try to <laughs> the podcast. By the way, you ladies are wonderful. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Merci. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I I have to admit, you know, the 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 Judd and Prudy uh, really are kind of cursory characters outside of of uh nampara for the rest of the books um um out you know from when they got kicked out uh but i love the fact that they are are back in the house and that they are um caring for the family i mean yeah me too i think she's the mother figure um like we said in the in the previous podcast because demelza grew up surrounded by men and so, um, yeah, it's uh, it's such a beautiful contrast when you compare to season one when she had just arrived and uh, and Prudy was so against it. So it's a beautiful evolution. And I think it's really great that she can have someone to confide in because Verity is not uh, here all the time. So that's good. I mean, people often talk about female relationships on this show and this one's always overlooked. I think it's probably the, they're the closest two women on this show and it's really like beautiful they live together they confide in each other and like all of Demelza's pain is Prudy's pain she feels it too and she's like angry at Elizabeth too I thought it was just like they're so cute and I I've already talked about how much I love Beatty so I'm always like yes (laughs) (laughs) she's marvelous she's marvelous um Gabaldon and Graham (laughs) know we hated what Ross did but am I the only one who thinks Aiden and Hyder have the best chemistry ever? Okay. The same <laughs> but best chemistry ever? Like, ever? No. No. We're gonna have to disagree. Like, in the history of the planet? Not even on the show, really. <laughs> I mean, there was some chemistry, but it was more of a salacious. I mean, you know, it, this is the thing. You know, the the two of them are actors, and I think that that um, they performed uh, that scene brilliantly um, because it was, you know, so much more than just the two of them getting on the bed and macking. Uh, you know, there were there was a huge amount of emotion and and uh, that that went into uh, creating that scene, and you know, it it goes beyond. You know whether or not the two of them have chemistry together. The scene worked. Like I I wasn't like sitting there going, "Oh my god, please make out more. It's so sexy." Like Mm -hmm. uh, that wasn't what I was feeling. Because honestly, (laughs) if you were watching that scene and thinking those things, like that's not what the scene's about. No, you're supposed to be sitting there going, "Ooh, this is icky." (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, chemistry is kind of a subjective thing. Thing. I mean, uh, people might think that Aiden has better chemistry with Eleanor. Some of the people will think that he has better chemistry with Ada. Some of the people are going to think that he has better chemistry with Gabriella Wilde. So you know, he's an actor. This mm -hmm. is his job. Yeah. <laughs> It's his job to make it convincing. So, uh, yeah. If you were I... convinced, he did his job. So, let's see. What's next? Okay, what's next from Anonymous? So, I'm so angry, I'm nauseated, we feel. And I couldn't even watch the scene. I've been angry with Ross the whole series and from reading the books, but from seeing it is something else entirely. Even knowing what comes next still can't placate me. I'm scared that he's ruined me now, that he's ruined for me now, I'm sorry, and I can't root for him anymore. He's such an asset, yes. yes. And I don't think I could watch a show about Ross if I hate Ross. But I don't want to stop watching because it's a good show. And my girl, Melza, and my boy, Dwight. Help? Question mark. Um, um, well, I, I think, think it's, uh, yeah, really it's really show about Ross. <laughs> It's about everyone. Yeah, um, I think that, um, you know, I, I, I want to say hang in there. Um, I think that, you know, one of the things that comes out of this series and, you know, by the end of this book is, you know, he is off the pedestal. He is off the pedestal. And, you know, the fact that we know that there are eight more books means we know that, <laughs> Uh, Ross and Demelza's relationship does continue. Um, so, you know, he is, he has, I think we have seen Ross at his absolute worst um, as of the end of episode eight. Um, he is about as reprehensible a character as you can possibly imagine. And uh, you know what they say about, you know, hitting rock bottom, the only place you have to go is up. Now, it's going to take him a while to figure out which way is up because he's an idiot. But, um, you know, this is, this is a, a story about not just Ross Poldark. It's a story about uh, he and Demelza's marriage. It's a story about their relationship, the relationships that they have with other people, uh, the, the relationships other people have with other people. Um, and it's a, it's an incredible story. So I would encourage you just to try and try and hang in there and, you know, give him a chance to try and win your, your trust back. I mean, as a person who has barely stood Ross for large portions of the story previously, I can tell you that you can absolutely enjoy and appreciate this show without liking Ross. Pretty mm -hmm. much like the first episode, I spent the entire time thinking, like, God, what the hell is this guy's problem? He is always <laughs> frowning. <laughs> like, um, yeah. But, you know, there's Caroline, there's Dwight, there's Demelza, there's even Elizabeth, if you're that way inclined. You've got Verity and her annoying step stepson. So many characters. And that's the beauty of the story. Like, it's about everyone, and the stories are are just so real like uh this is a parent drama but uh modern people can identify with uh, what those characters are are going through so i think that's what makes the story so beautiful and we promise and, you know, that ross will pay oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah he will. you know we we, we, we th this is not over there's there's gonna be some some hurt on his side too um you know and and just remember aiden has always said that 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 ross poldark is not a hero and he's not um, you know, he is emotionally inarticulate, I believe were the words that, uh, that he used to describe him. And I, I don't the term think emotionally stunted, okay. <laughs> emotionally challenged. <laughs> okay. So our next question comes from BPAC 67 and they say, I still can't get over Ross coming home and telling Demelza I had no choice. Do you think he genuinely believes he has not done anything wrong and has no self-realization whatsoever? The crowning by Demelza was great. I'm heartbroken for Dwight when he got Caroline's letters and she returned his letters. A couple of my favorite comments about this episode are from at Abby0129 on Twitter. Even your horse looks ashamed of you, Ross. <laughs> 
And uh, Demelza and Dwight should just move somewhere and heal people together. Preach. Oh. Abby goes, would... you are correct. That would... <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm sure Darky was just like, "Dude, get off my back." <laughs> where you? He was like, "We're spending the night asshole. where?" <laughs> it's like, where do you want to go at this hour of the night? Uh, no, I got a late. I don't want to be seen with you right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I also Dark- can't get over the I had no choice comment. It's like how to make a situation worse by Ron Poldark. He I know. write a novel about it. He might as well just said nothing for real. Oh, oh my yeah. god, if he's, it would have been better. It would have been better than being like, mm-hmm. I take no responsibility for my actions. I'm exactly. just totally like It was it was almost really cocky. I mean it was it was cocky. It was like, you know, I had no choice. I excuse me. Think that comment? <laughs> a little bit no choice. Also, really no ironic choice. given what he had said to Elizabeth earlier, where he was like, I'm just powerless. Like he was mocking her. And yes. Like, he does the same damn thing. It's like, mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. a stupid hypocrite. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, one of the comments that, that, um, that we noted in the episode, uh, recap you know where you know he says you know you know oh you've never been able to help anything it's all beyond your control full of good content intentions leaving a trail of havoc in your wake ladies and gentlemen your definition of ross poldark but i think he's going to realize uh, soon enough uh well no actually not soon enough after reading the book but um he will realize eventually that he made a mistake and um I think when, uh, whether it be in a marriage or just in a relationship, like uh, when someone cheats, like the relationship can never become the, be the way it used to. So there is something that is uh, um, eternally broken, I think. Yeah. I mean, I that's do too. one of the quotes from the book, isn't it? It's like when they talk about something being easily lost, cannot be regained. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, it wasn't so easy. Well, yeah. Ross was pretty easy. <laughs> Snap! Um, Damn. Okay, uh, we've got one more. Uh, this is a, from Anonymous. Uh, do you think, quote, Ross is not answering my notes, end quote, was the reason why she sent the letter about her engagement to Ross? As in, he wasn't responding then. Maybe he'll respond now. Not to bash her or anything, but it definitely looked like she re- wanted a response from him. Oh, yes, she wanted a response from him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it, that's the reason why she sent the note. And the way she worded the note, uh, she knew would wind up bringing him to Trenwith. Um, I, I went through and I typed up what she said um, as I was doing my rewatch last night. You know, my dear Ross, I do not know how to write this letter or to tell you what I have to say. I know what I have to say will distress you. And I, who gave you much pain once before, would almost do anything than to hurt you again and in the same way. Yet it seems I must. Oh, Ross, my life has been very frustrating and since Francis died, a lonely and empty one. Perhaps I'm the wrong sort of person to be left alone. I seem to need the strength and protection only a man can give. I have agreed to marry George Warlegan. And that's all we hear of the, of the note that she sent him. Um, you know, she has, in just those few sentences, resurrected the memories of the first blow she dealt him when he returned from America. And then, less than 12 months before this incident takes place, you know, how she had made a mistake in choosing Francis over him, uh, despite the fact that Francis had given her a graceful way to exit the engagement. Um, you know, she has, since Francis died, continually sought him out for guidance and advice over running the household, uh, really making him feel like the savior hero of the day. Um, and then she delivers the final blow uh, that she, the woman who was his first love, was marrying his bitterest enemy, the man who tried to have him hung and has sought to financially ruin him. She knew precisely what she was putting in that letter. She knew exactly 
what she wanted to happen, which was for him to come over to her home. Uh, whether or not she thought that it would wind up landing the two of them in bed, who knows? I think she did. That's my personal opinion. Um, but the fact that she knowingly did this to the husband of the woman who lost her child in saving Elizabeth's own, uh, it, I, I can't get past that. The first time when she got engaged to Francis and Russ came back, she offered him absolutely zero explanation. She didn't mm -hmm. send for him, she didn't send a note, because you know what? Back then maybe she was a little bit more sensible and she knew that was not going to help the situation because Ross is somebody who w responds rashly and I think she absolutely knew it would get a reaction out of him and she wanted a reaction, she wanted attention. I also really love later on she keeps insisting that she is her own mistress and that she will not be instructed or spoken to the way that Ross speaks to her. It's like, then why did you tell him? Knowing that was going to be the reaction. As much as George tries to manipulate her, she tries to manipulate Ross. They oh, absolutely. Very similar yeah. people. And I'm going absolutely. to really enjoy them being miserable together. Yeah, they deserve each other. They deserve each other. So. Um, Anyhow. Goodness. I think that's it. We have a summary. Let's talk about episode, episode nine. nine. Yes. Uh, Demelza refuses to speak to Ross, assuming that he will abandon her and return to Elizabeth. At Sir Hugh Bedruggan's ball, she turns to Captain McNeil for support. George tries to talk Elizabeth out of canceling the wedding, while Ross's fortunes seem to be changing for the better, with the offer of a prospering shipbuilding partnership and the discovery of a load of tin. So when life is shit in one area... Things are improving in the other. I love the idea of Ross showing up to these meetings with a black eye that his wife gave him. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Have you seen the pictures that were released? Far, far away, most of them. Like, obviously I'm excited, but I'm like, I don't like Demelza's hair. <laughs> I'm like so disappointed. What is the deal with hair and makeup this season? Honestly. They do a really good job with Caroline, and then like they like blow the, the blow the budget on Caroline, and everybody else is left to fend for themselves. They spend all their time and effort making Luke's hair really floppy, <laughs> <laughs> floppy, curly, and fabulous. Really badly. Just an aside. When he was looking over dead Ted, <laughs> his hair flopped. That's all I could think about for like five seconds. I wasn't thinking like, oh no, Ted is dead. I was just like, his hair is so floppy. Oh, you shallow, shallow woman, you. I know. Ted's lying there dead. A new father. Poor no. Ted. But look at Dwight. His hair's so floppy. Not the point. Mm. I hope that the hair improves next year because yeah, this is unacceptable. This is this has been a travesty. I mean, you've seen it, right? It does look a bit like Margaret Thatcher. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, you know, being all cascading down her back and she's walking through the surf in the red dress. Oh, she looks so good there. I'm like, yes. She should be singing Alanis Morissette songs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Oh god, so, that's awesome. Yeah, I think episode 9 might end up being just like my favourite in general because you know how I feel about really bitter, passive-aggressive Demelza. It's my favourite version. It's going to be from Captain McNeil, so Michelle will be happy. Yay! Delinda, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to uh, Ross begging on his knees, but I know it will not probably be until the end of episode 9, probably episode 10. I think yeah. episode 10 will probably be... No, that's a spoiler, I think. But yeah, mm -hmm. no. I think uh, episode 10 will be uh, more focused on uh, another couple. Oh, uh, yes. 
they've got so much happening in episode 10 I'm like eh. anyway. how are they going to fit everything <laughs> how are, I don't know how I'm going to do all of it in like two hours that's basically yeah. what we have left it's like two hours half of the book in two hours yeah what? to try this mess uh huh alright I think that's it for this week thank you for all your messages and please get in contact after episode 9 on our ask box on the blog um please get those messages in by tuesday which is when we usually record next week we'll be coming at you with discussion from episode 9 and all of this fuckery will continue so thank you for listening and for your patience over the past two hours we had a lot to get through and we'll see you next week.